Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where today we're joined by BBC Radio 1 presenter Jack Saunders. Um, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Dan. It's great to be here. I am good. I am knee deep in festival season at the moment, having opened things up with Radio One's big weekend and then Download Festival, and now very much all eyes. Oh, actually, I've got um, I've got Arctic Monkeys as well. Couple of couple of dates there in oh, London, nice. and then all eyes on uh, on Glastonbury. Of course. Um, and we will, of course, come on to Glastonbury uh, in just a moment. But how have the uh, festivals so far been? for you um very good actually and um uh, i think last year was i know we hate still talking about it, but last year was kind of i think a readjusting period after you know being locked down and that kind of thing and um, um this year feels a lot freer and uh and more alive than last year and uh i think you've got a, a new breed of festival goer who you know were kind of um or had that taken away from them for a couple of years. And uh, a lot of people are going for the very first time, you know, download sold out Glastonbury at the biggest one ever. So, you know, there's a huge amount of demand for festivals at the moment and people are lapping it up. Yeah. Well, no, it's great to see, like you said, I think it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, people are still kind of in that, you know, it, still feeling that excitement, I think, at being able to be back in festivals. It still feels quite new. I know we had a summer of it last year, but um, yeah, I think that still very much is uh, in the minds of a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, So Glastonbury this year, I mean, first of all, can you tell us what you'll be doing at the show? I know you're going to, at the festival, sorry, I know you're going to have a show. Um, What's that going to entail and what can uh, listeners expect? I'm just closing the door for less echo. (laughs) Um, so at Glastonbury this year, I am going to be on the TV again alongside Joe Wiley, Lauren Laverne, Clara Ampho, and um, bringing everyone at home who unfortunately can't be at the festival, every single highlight possible of all the best bits from across the weekend will be live across the BBC. Um, I, I mean, this has been happening for many, many years now and um, and continues to be probably the most stellar music coverage of any festival or any musical experience across the planet. The way the BBC brings Glastonbury to life uh, really truly made me want to go to the festival in the first place. So a huge privilege and honour to be there alongside those legends and being able to do that. And um, and will we bring the best of the best, you know, Elton John headlining, um, Arctic Monkeys, Guns N' Roses, they'll all have um, have moments across the TV. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right, you know, on the, the, the way that the festival is covered by the BBC is is quite unlike any not just any other music event but I'd probably say any other event full stop I can't think of another festival or event of that scale that is covered quite so comprehensively I mean what does that what does that mean for you and your job while you're there at the festival with your BBC hat on what does the festival look like for you as a presenter and someone working uh, sort of uh, behind well not behind the scenes because you're very much front and centre presenting as well but what does the what goes on other than what you know when you're just on camera and, and presenting well first of all people say to me oh you're so lucky you get to go to glastonbury okay yes I, i'm technically at glastonbury but i'm not doing glastonbury as if everyone else is doing glastonbury right everyone yeah. who's bought a ticket and uh, paid to be there it's not the you get to see everything type thing there's a huge amount of 
uh, prep work and research that goes into each day to make sure, you know, not only clued up on all the performances and all the performers, but, um, but kind of across what is happening with the moments that have happened the previous day at the festival, things like that. So, you know, it, like you're kind of alluding to there, it's making sure that we have all the knowledge and a comprehensive guide to be able to bring to life exactly what is happening at the festival in that given moment and being able to cross cross and being able to cross reference that to, you know, um, other times of similar performances or events that have happened at Glastonbury across the years and essentially just being the encyclopedia for everyone at home, but also being able to bring those, you know, which, and also being able to bring those very, um, unique experiences that only happen at Glastonbury to life for people at home. Um, everyone wants to be at this festival. Everyone is, um, is all eyes on it when it comes around to the summer. It's the one that is spoken about the most. And, you know, it always brings about um, moments of joy and togetherness and happiness and, um, and also bands and artists coming together and supporting each other on stage, things like that. There's always these unique moments at Glastonbury. So yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of work, honestly, and not much watching of music. Yeah, no, I can, I can very much uh, imagine that, that that's the case. Like you said, with the amount of uh, coverage that there is, uh, of the festival there must be a hell of a lot of work going on uh behind the scenes um i mean how many for how many years now have you been covering glastonbury with the bbc well uh technically since 2019 uh obviously we missed a couple of years in between that but uh so i've done three with the bbc so so far so three years so um 2019 was with Radio 1. Yeah. Um, I was kind of bringing to life the festival for the Radio 1 audience. They were crossing to me every kind of half an hour with updates. And we we were doing this game of uh, if I could trade up a button and see what I could come away with at Glastonbury by the end of it. And it ended up being a pair of stage-soaked pants oh, uh, nice. of lorry <laughs> from uh, Slaves, now known as Soft Play. Um <laughs> So yeah, and he took he's took them off live in front of me on Radio One. Uh, being speechless <laughs> on the radio is not not a great thing, but it, it was one of the one of the moments that I have been left speechless. So um, yeah, so that was the first year. It was a a, a real kind of uh, great induction into life at the BBC and bringing this to life for people at home. And then you know I was lucky enough for the first one out of um, out of lockdown to get the call up to do the TV. It was. Uh, it was uh, like kind of like I said before. It, uh, I've grown up watching the TV. I've grown up watching Joe and Lauren and Clara and Mark and everyone else who's kind of featured across the BBC over those years, um, bringing Glastonbury to life. It made me want to be at the festival. I specifically remember that Beyonce performance and um, the kind of buzz and electricity on the TV from the presenters afterwards about how that was just such an, it looked like an incredible moment watching it anyway, but just the, like I said, the electricity from the presenters afterwards and their excitement about it just made me want to be at this festival. Uh, a couple of years later, I got to go in 2016. It was very wet, uh, but yeah. Musa Dell and Coldplay headlining that year, got to see Earth, Wind and Fire as well, which is a really nice moment and, and many others and, and made lots of memories from that weekend with friends and, you know, kind of, uh, uh, it kind of immortalized all the feelings that I had previously having been watching it on the BBC. So yeah, it's, it's been a really lovely journey for me and I'm, I'm very grateful to be there. I've got to be honest. It's, it's one of the best jobs in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is it for you that, that, you know, and I, I appreciate it's probably quite hard to, to sort of quantify and, and put into words, but what it, what is it about Glastonbury that, that continues to separate it 
in some degree from other festivals because like you said it's one of those that uh irrespective of who's performing or you know the music any of that kind of stuff it does still despite having kind of grown and grown and grown from its origins as a bit of a folky thing back in the day it's now this absolute monster of an event but it still does seem to have that little bit of magic dust about it that you don't not not sorry don't get out of the festivals but it's quite unique to glastonbury why do you think that is well, I think, as you kind of said there, it's down to the heritage of the festival and where it all began and what it stands for. You know, like you said, it was a it, it was a very hippie festival when it first started, incredibly liberal, um, and um, and very folky. And um, the way it's grown has been the way it's grown um it's been very attractive to you know other styles other genres other cultures for being so liberal and so welcoming and attractive in that sense um you know indie music got its first run out with the smiths in i think 1984 or around about then and um and then that kind of spread the word of of that genre making its way in you then had um dance music uh in the in the early 90s the orbital performance in 94 uh, a particularly poignant one for a lot of people and then, of course, um, rap, a UK rap and, um, and, and grime, um, Boy Better Know on the other stage headlining was a very big moment. Uh, Stormzy was also on the other stage that year, albeit a bit further down. Obviously, he went on to do that, arguably one of the greatest headline performances ever um, at Glastonbury a few years later on the Pyramid stage headlining the whole thing, Kendrick last year. And so, you know, Glastonbury's always had this history of being very open, very welcoming and... Um, and just being a great platform to celebrate all culture, no matter its background. And I think people find that very, very appealing. You can, no matter what you enjoy, what you identify to, you, you will have something at Glastonbury and the other cultures there will welcome you in equal, in equal amounts as well. It's its own bubble and, and space and time zone, even in some respects, you know, um, the real world goes out the window and, Everyone talks about it like this, and there's a reason everyone talks about it like this. It's because it genuinely is such a unique experience. And it's only really until you go that you really truly understand just how special and unique it is. Um, I'm sure people who haven't been probably sick of it by now, yeah. <laughs> hearing, hearing everyone talk about how special Glastonbury is. But it's true. It is true. Yeah. And um yeah, I think um, its foundations, its heritage are, are probably the prime reasons for that. And it's always made sure that they have been paramount. Yeah. I mean, what was the... Can can you take us back to like your, your first Glastonbury experience when, when it was and anything that you can kind of remember from that first one that, <laughs> that, has, that has stayed with you since then? Yeah. Yeah, 2016 was my first ever Glastonbury. Um, managed to get myself a ticket. Uh, we left at, I think, 4.30 a.m. Uh, from Whitechapel in London, where I was staying at my friend's house. Um, and we got in the back of his very tiny Corsa. Uh, I think we all had like big sort of camping bags on laps because the boot wasn't big enough. So it was a very uncomfortable ride there. And uh, we left London. And uh, as soon as we kind of got out onto the motorway out of the M25, the rain started to trickle down and we sort of thought, Oh, here we go. This is, uh, yeah, th this is where it really truly begins. And, uh, the rain really truly didn't stop yeah. until the Monday when we left. It was torrential the whole entire festival. 2016 
having now spoken to people goes down as one of the wettest ever, obviously, as I've been saying, my first ever one. So, you know, it was a real uh, baptism of fire in terms of Glastonbury in that respect. But, you know, I think when you're there, no matter the weather, it doesn't really dampen the spirits in any sort of way. Um, yeah. you're just very much there to indulge and have the greatest time ever. You know, you get your wellies on and, and you, you walk through and you slide through the mud and that's that, you know, you've got no other option really. So you have to really go and enjoy it. Um, you know, we started, uh, we started making friends immediately as we were there, the buzz and the excitement and the camaraderie is all there in, in an instant. Everyone gets the, uh, gets the brief in a way. Um, yeah. So that, that was really, really great. And, um, yeah, some exquisite performances were watched that weekend. Uh, I remember going down to, um, block nine and having a huge rave up there and, uh, watching earth, wind and fire finish things off on the Sunday night when we're tired, we're wet, we're cold. Like you need earth, wind and fire yeah. in that s- scenario. So that was over on West Holtz. That was really, really great. Um, we watched Muse do a blistering headline performance saw Stormzy um, in 2016. This wasn't on the other stage. This was in a, in a smaller tent. I can't even remember what the tent was, but even then uh, it was over overflowing with people. Uh, so, you know, when he, hindsight is a beautiful thing, but he seemed pretty destined to, to go on and, and top the bill. But yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was everything that I thought it was going to be and more. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and what have been some of your other sort of highlights since then? Any any particularly memorable performances or just moments from around the festival that have really, uh, really stayed with you? Since my first one or, uh, yeah, or since, since, since or just that in first general. one? Just in, oh, okay, ge- cool. oh, just in general. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, yeah. Just ever since. Uh, yeah. Since I mean, I mean, the, as I was saying, the Beyonce set is a, is a really big one that I remember. Um, I remember um, and the uh, Jay-Z uh, jabbing Noel Gallagher for saying that rap doesn't belong at Glastonbury. That was a huge moment, actually, in the context of the of the kind of uh, culture of Glastonbury. They really stood firm on in the belief that you know someone like Jay Z should be headlining Glastonbury. It's not just a UK festival. This is a global event, Glastonbury, and every American, every artist that comes from all over the globe who doesn't really understand what it is and just thinks it's another festival always leaves going. Okay, yeah, that's that's the real deal. This is the uh, the daddy of festivals in a way. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it, I think that that kind of jab at Noel Gallagher from Jay Z doing Wonderwall before going into Ninety Nine Problems was uh, was it was a nice little moment that I definitely definitely remember. Um, Arctic Monkeys in two thousand and thirteen, they're my favorite band ever. And uh, yeah, I was very jealous that year. That was Arctic Monkeys, Rolling Stones and someone else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember being very jealous of people going to that one. Um, They're obviously headlining this year. So I'm going to probably skulk off the TV at some point and go and watch that if I can. Um, So yeah. Uh, And other, other great performances. So I think so 2019 would have been the other one that I went to. It's difficult when you work because you don't get to see too much. But um, last year, Turnstile on uh, on the John Peel stage, uh, that band are going to go down in folklore. Uh, within the rock scene and the post-hardcore scene, they are very well revered. And um, yeah, if, if they play their cards right, they could be massive, um, like top the bill kind of massive. So watching them on that stage was really great last year. Wolf Alice played a blinding set on the pyramid stage as well. That felt very emotional for them because they had 
they had been on a hell of a journey to get to that slot. This was their biggest Glastonbury slot yet. Um, they had got delayed in Los Angeles. Their flight had got cancelled. Um, they'd managed to get a flight to somewhere like Denver or New Orleans or something like that. And then managed to get a connection to London. They literally landed, got in a car, drove to Glastonbury. They had to borrow a load of backline from other bands. They had to borrow instruments from other bands and things like this. And, um, and, and made their, made their set on the pyramid stage with, I mean, I think literally half an hour to spare before they went on. So I think the whole story around that and, and, uh, and then playing their biggest Glastonbury headline, uh, sorry. And then playing their biggest Glastonbury set yet was really, really beautiful last year. Yeah, I, I remember that. And it was just such an incredible um, chain of events that um, mm. was quite amazing to see, to see them overcome it. Because it would have been tragic to have like, you know, oh. missed it by an hour or something. Do you know it would mean? have been brutal, wouldn't it? After all so that brutal. and then missed the performance would have been, um, it would have been heartbreaking. But uh, no, that was incredible. Um, and I know you've already mentioned uh, the Arctic Monkeys, but uh, who else you... Uh, hoping to catch this year, you know, work permitting. Um, yeah, work permitting. That's a that's a good shout. Um, look, I think Ray is going to have just the most unbelievable moment on that pyramid stage, similar to maybe how Wolf Alice did last year. Um, what she has been through, um, the kind of last God, it's not even been a year. I don't think really, technically, probably the last nine or ten months that she's had. Um she's going to have a a mammoth moment up on that pyramid stage. That is a set not to be missed for sure. Um, Interested to see who the churn-ups are. Um, They are playing before Royal Blood and Arctic Monkeys on the pyramid stage. All the rumours are pointing towards Foo Fighters. If it's Foo Fighters, Royal Blood, Arctic Monkeys might be one of the greatest pyramid runs ever. Um, So yeah, well, I mean, I'm definitely going to do my best to try and be there in, in some capacity for that. That's going to be incredible. Um, there's, uh, there's a brilliant, brilliant load of DJs on this year as well. And producers, there's going to be some really exciting sets. I mean, uh, in, in the biggest sense, Fred, again, who's had a, an incredible, like maybe year and a half now, um, his set will be a really big moment. And then there's, um, there's, there's a lot of underground dance stuff that's, that's making its way to the festival as it always does this year. But I think, um, dance music and the, and the more hardcore sides of dance music, your technos, your drummer basses, uh, trances, that kind of stuff. Uh, all those DJs and producers are going to have a phenomenal time at Glastonbury this year. So, um, yeah, it's heating up to be a good one. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, Jack, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to have a chat with us. Really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a fantastic Glastonbury 2023. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me. It's great to be on. Oh, you're very welcome. Cheers. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community. 